Welcome into another episode of We're Talking Tonight. Craig Malasa and Dave Amato. Dave, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I am doing all right. Uh, it's, uh, you know, two days without rain is kind of scary. At least I didn't get it over here. No, we didn't get it. We got a little bit yesterday uh, yep. up here my way, but um, not much. And then we got nothing today. So that's that's nice. Hopefully we'll have some of that on Saturday. Absolutely. Dave, let's talk about the Cajuns. We've been putting them off. We've been doing this a couple of weeks now. We're uh, uh, we're in episode three or four, depending on when this uh, when this airs. So uh, could be episode five actually, since uh, we've been back together since our summer break. But let's talk Cajuns. Let's talk about the offense first. Let's talk about what is by far, I won't say the most crucial position on the field. But where the Cajuns, and I won't even say where they lost the most, but the most anticipated battle of the summer was the quarterback position. What's your thoughts of Chandler Fields being named QB1? Yeah, I think on, it, it, my take on it, and look, I'm not in the, in the locker room and, and, and not in the coach's uh, back pocket, but I think at the end of the day, there was a couple of things that led Chandler Fields to getting the job. I think, I think he is, look, he's a little bit of a gunslinger from what we hear. Um, he's going to take some chances, but the, the, the pros way outweigh the cons, right? He's, he takes some chances, but he's going to make plays. And I think that's what, what coach wants, right? Coach Des is looking for somebody who's going to take the reins. He's been in the system for three years. So, and he's learned behind a pretty, pretty successful guy in Levi Lewis. So I think, I think there were a couple of things that led to that. I think the other piece to it, um, and, and this is just me speaking, I think, look, you've got a kid who's a redshirt sophomore. You got another kid who's a transferred redshirt junior. And either one of them could have left right after they were not named the starting quarterback. But Chandler Fields has more of an upside to leave than Ben, ben Woolridge did, right? I think Ben thinks he's going to get a chance if anything happens to Chandler Fields. But at the end of the day, if I think if Ben Woolridge would have been named the starter, there was a much higher risk of Chandler Fields being gone, right? And uh, he worked his tail off. He's He's, as Coach Robichaux would say, he worked while he waited, right? He got a few chances, and he's he's looked well, but it's mostly in mop-up duty. I, I'm excited to see him. I, I've heard nothing but good things about him. I know some people who know his family uh, back in New Orleans and, and talk about him uh, in high school and talk about his, some, his brother, who's, uh, I think, an eighth grader or a freshman now uh, at Brother Martin. And look, I'm excited to see the kid. He's got all the leadership qualities. I, I, I want to see him behind center. And I'm glad he won the job, to be honest with you. He was, he was who I wanted to win the job. Well, by all accounts, the, uh, it was a very close quarterback battle. Sure. And, and uh, it could have gone either way. But if all things are being equal, and I'm not saying they were equal, and I'm not saying this is what happened. But, um, you know, Chandler Fields was a good soldier. I mean, the last two years. He, he bided his time and it, let's be honest you have to go back to the days almost of brian mitchell to where except and you take out brian mitchell and you take out levi lewis those days you almost had to have a second quarterback because your quarterback right. either 
A, didn't finish the year, or B, uh, was hurt at some point during the season. So, No, 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 you're absolutely right. I mean, you could throw Jake in there once he took over the job yep. uh, for the Cajuns. Um, but that was the first game of his freshman year, and he was listed as a fourth-string quarterback. So um, he got a chance to play because the other guys in front of him weren't performing. But but you're right. I mean, we've seen it. We've seen it when we had two really good quarterbacks with uh, with uh, Terrence Broadway and Blaine Gauthier. And thank goodness we had Terrence Broadway backing up Blaine Gauthier. Um, and it worked out well for us because we had two talented guys. I think we've got I think we've got a deeper quarterback room now than we've had in a long time, um, all the way down to the fourth and fifth guy on the roster, right? I, I do believe some of these younger guys are really good, but we're not going to see them because the guys in front of them have, you know, rode the pine and got their chance to play and they're, they're, they're ready now. Um, but I think this is a deep quarterback room. I, you know, I, I don't think coach would be disappointed if any one of them took snaps this year, but I think he thinks Chandler and Ben are the, the one a and one B. And, and I, I think if he loses Chandler, he's, he's confident that Ben's going to come in and play well. Absolutely. And I think uh, everything you need to know about Chandler fields is that when he came in last year, when Levi's helmet got knocked off or pulled mm -hmm. off or whatever, is that he Coach Billy Napier did not put him in to hand the ball off. He threw the ball. So all that being said, uh, wish the kid nothing but the best and uh, hope both are very successful here, quite honestly. But we got big leads and uh, both of them get an opportunity to play. Let's move on to the running back position. Probably, uh, you know, if, if it wouldn't be for Levi, well, I should, I don't know which one is 1A and which B. B. The, the loss of the running backs that we had, which I don't need to discuss because they're gone. They're no longer on our team. Unlike Levi Lewis that was graduated and moved on. Those players chose not to come back and, and I'm fine. I don't care to discuss them anymore, but Chris Smith, what else do we have? Anything else there with besides Chris Smith? Yeah. Look, I think there's a lot of excitement behind him. Um, I, I, but they're unknowns, right? Um, I think, I think the guy who every press conference that you hear and everything you hear um, is Kadobi, uh, 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 who's come in and 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 just look. This is a guy who was a transfer from Texas A&M. We thought good things when he transferred in because we saw him against us, where he exploded. He had four carries for over 100 yards against us. That's all he touched the ball was four times, but every time he touched the ball, it was explosive. Then he went on, he transferred to Incarnate Word, and he didn't play a lot there because COVID. Um, and he was back with us, but we moved him to wide receiver for a couple of reasons. One, we were super deep at running back. Two, he wasn't, he wasn't at the level of our, our depth. So, hey, we're short a little at wide receiver. Let's move you over there. He played it a little bit in high school. Um, I think he's been super impressive. And I think uh, Terrence Williams, I think, is the other one that, that I think the coaches are really high on. I think, look, I, 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 it's not as deep today as it was last year or the year before. Or the, but I think the talent's there, and I think we're going to find out these guys are good enough to play for us, and they're gonna, we're going we're gonna to be okay. Chris Smith's going to be the, the main guy, but as you've seen under Napier, and I'm sure it's going to be the same thing with Coach Des, Chris Smith's not going to get – 
all the carries. He's gonna he's gonna bounce running backs in and out. He's gonna give him a break. He likes the change of pace, guys. Chris Smith is explosive when he touches the ball, but he's not a guy that you want to give the ball to 35 times, right? He's he's a guy that you, he's a big hitter. He's the home run hitter on the team. So I think uh, I think you're gonna see those other two guys touch the ball a lot, and if they stay healthy and they're in any way productive, that's gonna be your three headed monster this year. Yeah, I, I think people uh, confuse sometimes depth with experience. I think sure. the depth is there, but the experience is not. Mm-hmm. All will be said and done. I think we're going to be fine. I do uh, but just as in quarterback, there's a time that comes that your uh, running backs get a little banged up as well. I like sure. the idea of bringing the three running back system that we've used the last couple of years. And as we showed, with uh, Trey Regis, uh, 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 Elijah Mitchell, and um, Raymond Kale, three guys that ended up playing in pro ball. So even though you got three three headed system there, you can still make some noise and show what you, what your talents are. Yeah, um, one other thing to just keep in mind, and 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 I know coaches talk highly of him, but he's really young. But Draylon Washington's another one that I think will get some carries this year but he's a little bit behind the other two. I think ultimately we will see him carry the ball as well. The coaches are really excited, uh, excited about it. Before we move on to the, uh, the other skill position wide receiver tight end, let's talk about the offensive line, because those are going to be the guys that if we're running the ball or we're able to pass the ball are going to need to give Chandler Fields time, Chris Smith, some holes. So where, where do we, I mean, man, you think, you know, again, I'm not going to say the talent's not there, the experience not there, because we kept saying that every year for the last couple of years when you got, and you guys got like Robert Hunt and and them in the NFL right now. So where, yeah, where's that guy going to come from now? Look, we lost a lot, but I think there's, there's, there's some excitement there. I, I truly believe the rising star on that offensive line is AJ Gillian. I think he proved it last year. He came in as a freshman, and he – look, he's probably going to be the leader of the offensive line this year, but he's got some people around him that are pretty good. He gets Carlos Rubio back, who didn't play last year, um, and he was a starter two years ago. So it's not like you lose a ton there, right? Rubio and Gilly are the two guys I'm super excited about. Um, I think at the other positions, you know – Coach has already said he's going to have – we're going to go seven deep on the offensive line, right? And he's going to – he's all – Napier's been this way, and I think Des will be too. It'll be a little bit of, hey, we're going to give these guys breaks, and we're going to try to get some guys in. He wants to be seven or eight deep. Um, he's got David Hudson, who got a lot of starts last year, not because of – not by choice, but because injuries, and he worked his way into the lineup. And, and, and look, this is a guy who was a walk-on for us. And uh, I think he'll be on that starting lineup. I think you'll see some young guys that we've heard a lot about, but we don't know what they are. Nathan Thomas is the name we've been hearing. Um, Jax Harrington's a name we've been hearing. Uh, King McGowan's another name we've been hearing. I think a lot of those guys are going to get their chance to play. Landon Burton, who's, who's been with us for a few years, but hasn't had a chance to really show everything. I think he's going to be in that mix. And then I don't know where the transfer from Michigan State is. Uh, Onamba, 
but but he's another one that's probably on the borderline of that seven and eight guys. And so I think that's your group. And coach is going to put the best five out there, and then he'll have his three backups who come in and and, and spell them every now and then. And I think that'll be fine. Well, we've seen is it, when you're trying to wear down a defense, it's not just the running backs. It's not just moving the ball downfield. It's beating them up physically. The Cajuns have been able to do that over the last four or five years. And there's an old saying um, for the offensive line, give me seven plus one, which means give me eight guys. Uh, yeah. So, you know, it's one of those that, you know, you want you want an extra tackle, you want an extra guard, you want that guy, you need an extra center. The Cajuns saw that with uh, when uh, uh, Perdome went down. Um, yep. And, um, but it, it gave some opportunities along the way. So uh, it's yeah, going to be fun to watch. It's going to be fun to watch these guys mature as a group again. Yep. And uh, guys like Carlos Rubio, like I said, coming back from an injury is going to give them the opportunities to uh, no, no uh, to have some leadership there. You were going to no say, question. though? No, no, I was going to say, I'm, I'm not as concerned as uh, some other people I have heard are with the offensive line. I think the offensive line is going to be fine. They're just like the running back group. They're just not experienced. They're, it's not that the talent's not there. It's just they're not experienced. But they're not experienced because they've been behind guys like Robert Hunt and Max Mitchell and, and Osiris Torrance, who's left. And they were behind some really good players. So it's not yeah. like they weren't good. They were just behind really good players. Exactly. Well, let's get to the uh, receiving core. First, before we move into the wide receivers and, and, the, and such, are we going to see anything at the tight end position this year? We're going to see a tight end that catches the ball. I believe so, and I believe that because I think we've well, one, I think we've got three really good tight ends. Um, one of which I, I I don't necessarily I don't personally list him as a tight end. He's kind of that that H back position, does a little bit of that Pierce Meagle guy, um, but he he comes out of the backfield, makes some good catches. I, I love watching a guy like that play. But he's the third of the three, right? The other two, to me, are the main guys. I am expecting, and I've been expecting for a couple of years, but I'm expecting this year, Neil Johnson really breaks out. This guy has impressed me ever since he got here. And we haven't thrown to him a lot. I think that changes this year. I think he's the best pass catcher of the group, right? And he's the most athletic of the group. Um, But Johnny Lumpkin's a very good tight end, too. He gives you a blocking dynamic that Neil Johnson doesn't necessarily bring to the table. And we've watched him improve his pass catching. When he first got here, he was a little sloppy. He dropped a handful of passes that he should have caught. And you've watched him improve. I really think between Neil Johnson, Johnny Lumpkin, and Pierce Meagle, we've got three guys who are capable of really giving us some production out of the tight end. And it's really going to be about throwing the ball that way. I don't think we've done enough of that. I think we will this year. Neil Johnson is like a wide receiver in a bigger body, right? So I, I think that's what – he reminds me a little bit, not talent-wise per se, but a little bit of a Ladarius Green type guy who is capable of being more of that hybrid tight end that can go out and line up as a wide receiver. Absolutely. I think it's one of those things that uh, – uh it's going to be fun to see them big boys play because got a lot of size there. If we can yeah. get them the ball and get them moving 
downfield. It's going to be tough to tackle them. They can be the ones punishing instead of being the being punished. So Neil Johnson's a uh, he's a he's a matchup nightmare because you really don't want to put a cornerback on him if he lines up outside because they can't physically guard him and you can't put a linebacker on him because he's athletic enough that he could beat the linebackers. So he's really, what do you do with a guy like that when he's out in the open and he catches the ball? He's a big, big, strong guy who can run pretty fast. So I'm excited about the tight end position this year. Very good. Hopefully with, uh, with Des being the play caller now, uh, we get, we get to see the little tight end a little bit more. Yep. It's very disappointing uh, when we were up at Arkansas a few years back um uh hud had the first half a couple of passes to the tight end got the got the offense moving uh for the first time all game at the end of the second half came out in the third quarter in the fourth quarter we never saw the tight ends again yep. amazing play calling but hey that <laughs> is what it is um jamal bell uh, a little surprised to see him back and all that or I'm hugely surprised to see him back, but I'm glad he is. He's a guy who's worked his tail off. You know, he had some, you think about this and I don't remember, I guess it was the year before COVID, but he was the leading receiver on our football team uh, a few years back. And then he was gone. Right. Then he was a guy who talked about transferring out. Then he, he didn't know if he was coming back. Then he came back and shot the heck out of all of us. Um, I'm glad he's back. Now, look, that's the deepest, position on the offense and he's going to have a hard time finding his role but look anytime you can get a guy who led your team two three years ago in in yardage and he's back on the team that just gives you more depth and more more competition at the, in that wide receiver room and that wide receiver room is it's going to be it's going to be fun it's going to be really fun this year and then the pride of new iberia no not michael desimo peter leblanc what a yeah. So so I, I Peter's Peter's great. I mean, injuries have always you know since he's been here have been the thing that slowed Peter down. When he's healthy, Peter's as good as anybody on this team at wide receiver. Um, he gives you a downfield deep threat, um, but he's also a good possession receiver. He's a little bit of it all. So I look getting him back and hopefully he's healthy this year. I think I think big things can come out of Peter if he's fully healthy and can stay healthy for a full season. I know, I know the coaches originally wanted to redshirt him, and then he got into a couple games because he was able to play four games or so, and then produced, and then I think we got some guys hurt and continue to produce. But I really think that's where his injuries came from, not giving that opportunity to kind of bulk up that body a little bit. Yeah. And, and I, to protect I, himself because where he's been hurt has been in the shoulders yeah. and in the arm areas. So uh, now he's had some hamstring issues, uh, you know, uh, but, you know, he had shoulder surgery last year at the end right. of last season. So uh, I just think hopefully, like you said, he he's uh, I, I'm, I'm glad he had the shoulder surgery early and was able to come back. Uh, for summer and everything. So hopefully Peter's at full strength. Um, one of the guys that I know that, that, that you've been impressed with since before the season started last year and in, in one of our first uh, podcasts together, Michael Jefferson. Now, um, again, not a small receiver. 
I think he, I think I, I, I'm not going to say I agree with you, but because I don't remember if you said this, but if you did say this, then I agree with you. I think he's got an opportunity to play on Sundays. I think you're absolutely right. I said this on Raging Faith, and I said it in our first couple of podcasts last year. I thought he was going to be the breakout star on the offense, and and very few people knew about it. He came in late. He was a transfer from Alabama State. You don't know much about Alabama State. You don't watch him on Saturdays, so nobody knew what to expect. But he was the leading receiver for Alabama State, both in receptions and yardage, the year before he transferred in. And the year before that, he was very productive as well. And I said it from day one. I said, this kid, he's big enough. He's strong enough. He's, I've watched highlights on him. Kid excites the heck out of me. And he didn't catch a ton of passes last year, but put up huge numbers. It seemed like every time he caught the ball, it was way downfield. It was a touchdown or a big play. He's a deep threat with huge size. I truly believe. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think everybody was talking about John Stevens Jr. transferring in because they were similar body styles, similarly similar sizes. But I think Michael Jefferson is and, and not taking nothing away from John Stevens. I think he was a little slowed last year when he first got here. I think he's going to have good production this year. But Michael Jefferson's to me the guy. Talk about John Stevens and Stevens and then uh, Stevens then not Stevenson's. Uh, yeah. Talk talk. Talk to me a little bit about him. Yeah, look, he's a he's a big receiver. He's a guy that we tried to utilize a lot um, in the red zone, right? Throw it up big to a six foot five receiver. Uh, he had some production when he was at TCU, and and I think people expected him to come in. And look, he's going to have a hard time. He's going to be in. We're going to play a lot of receivers this year, right? And he's going to be in that mix with all the receivers that we have, but he, he kind of gets lost in the shuffle because Michael Jefferson kind of took the slot that he had, or he, he was at least projected to have. Um, but we've got such a deep receiving core with Dante Fleming and Errol Rogers and Caleb Carter. We haven't talked about Jacob Bernard, who I think is going to be, he's going to step up this year. I really think Jacob Bernard is going to be the guy we look at this year, but I, it's so deep. I think, it's going to spread the amount of catches all of these guys get out, right? So you're not going to see – we're not going to be a team that has a guy with 80 receptions or a guy who has 60 receptions. I think we're going to have a lot of guys who have 30 and 40 receptions, right? Because those are the – we've got so many guys that we can rotate them in and out, and they're all a little bit different. Michael Jefferson is going to need a breather. Well, John Stevens comes in and plays a similar position. That's the guy you want in there, right? Errol Rodgers, Dante Fleming, so electric when he touches the ball in space. I, I, I'd love to see that guy touch the ball uh, in the middle of the field because I think he can do so many things. I don't think we've seen everything we can see out of Errol Rodgers, but when he's performed, it's been really good. Um, and like I said, I, I got to go back to Jacob Bernard, who I, I'm excited to see him this year. I think he's going to get a bigger role this year on the offense, playing more of that slot receiver for us. Interesting that you say that because all the guys that you've given high praise to so far have been the big receivers, Stevens, uh, uh, Jefferson, and then you then you got uh, Bernard, who's five ten, a uh, yeah, he's redshirt sophomore out of uh, Mandeville, Lakeshore. So, yeah. uh, you, you brought up Earl Rogers, which I honestly, until you brought up his name, I, I mean, we've got so many guys. I guess uh, I forgot he was. I mean. 
not that I forgot that he was on the te- team, but I mean, because he was very productive last year. He but, was. Uh, I, I guess I did forget about him. I think you forget about a lot of our receivers just because there are so many of them. And, 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 and that's a shame because, like I said, Dante Fleming and Errol Rodgers, those guys put up some good numbers last year. And they're young. They're both sophomores. Um, but they were just they, – they get forgotten because nobody – again, we're not going to have a guy like um, U.S. – like South Alabama has had the last couple of years who can go out and catch 70 balls. We're, we're not that kind of team. But we're going to have a lot of guys catch the ball. So, and it makes it more dangerous. Look, if if you're playing against South Alabama, who has a fan, I think back to App State last year, right? What made App State so dangerous last year in the passing game wasn't that they had one good receiver. They had four really good receivers, right? All four of them are on NFL rosters. I don't know if we have that kind of caliber of the top four, but we've got seven and eight receivers who are talented enough to play. I, I think I'm, I'm, I, I love that group. I think that's on offense as the most talent ready, experienced group we have. Very interesting. Earl Rogers, uh, 5'11, again, not one of the guys you would think is, is big time or a yeah. big receiver, but 17.9. Uh, uh, well, I'm sorry. I was looking, I thought that was his average. That was his <laughs> average per game. I'm going like, that's pretty big numbers, but again, uh, smaller receiver is going to be that 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 inside guy that's going to hit that spot. So, uh, still very happy. Um, uh, let's talk about uh, the offense in general now before we take our bait break. Uh, you're listening to we're talking tonight, Craig Malas on Dave Amato. Dave, uh, let's talk about the offense in general, in the sense of, you know, we don't really know although i think des was named offensive quarter coordinator last year mm-hmm. it was billy napier who called the plays no, 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 we no. don't know I, I think everybody's assuming some things uh but we really don't know that uh what's going to happen here are we going to air out the ball more or i mean i don't think we run more are we going to do i mean i think you've got a different playmaker in Chandler Fields and Levi Lewis. And no one can doubt Levi's results, but Chandler Fields is a different player. And I, which I think might, and I hate to say air out the ball even, because it may be one of those 10 or 15 yard slants, though, that gets broken. And then all of a sudden you got a 79 yard touchdown. It was like, oh, I love airing out the ball. Well, did we really throw it any further than we did last year? Yeah, so. I, look, I, I don't know. I don't. What makes us dangerous, I think, to some extent, is I don't think anybody knows that because they haven't seen Dez or Coach Leger, their offense under their tutelage, right? It's always been Napier's offense. And I think we'll open up some things. I mean, I think people got frustrated a little bit last year with some of the play calling by Coach Napier, uh, specifically when we get in the red zone. It, it seemed like he was, he got a little. Either he got way too dull or he did something that just you why in the world would we run a reverse right there, right? It's a crazy place. So it was, it was, it was one end of the spectrum to the other, but it was like, man, I, I wouldn't have run that. It was Sean Payton. This, yeah, 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 exactly. I think we'll see a little bit different this year. I think it'll be um you know, 
we're going to figure it out, right? Because we don't know. We don't know who what the play calling is going to be like. But look, we know what Dez was as a quarterback. Um, and we know that we have the talent on offense to do some things in the passing game. So I, I, I'm excited to see some different play calling this year. I, 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 yeah. I love what Napier brought to this team, but I want to see some different play calling. I'll be honest with you, as far as Dez's playing experience, to me, that doesn't, if, if that gets into his play calling, then I think we got a problem. Well, because because uh, his playing experience is not this same team. You've got yeah. to play to the strength of this team. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. I, I don't know what it is yet. And I don't oh. think he may he may not know what it is yet. Hell, we may break out and then and run for 600 yards against Southeastern. But if we run 600 yards against Southeastern, has that really were, told us anything? Right. So I think there's a couple of things. I think um, we're going to find out. And, and look, this we haven't seen enough of him, but we're going to find out. I, I don't think Chandler Fields is going to be as elusive as Levi was as far as getting out of the pocket and doing some things with his feet. But he is elusive enough, right? He has the athleticism to do some things. I think what we're going to see is, and again, nothing against Levi because he won a lot of football games. But I think we're going to see a guy who is going to make better plays in the passing game, some things that Levi didn't necessarily complete or missed a receiver that might have been open here or there. I think this, I think the arm strength and the arm talent of Chandler Fields is going to be ahead of where Levi was. I think his footwork is not going to be as good as where Levi was. Levi was special. I mean, he was special when pressure got to him and he was better when he'd get outside the pocket. You know, he was so short. When he got outside the pocket and had room to see over the offensive lineman, he made crazy plays. And we miss, we're going to miss that because Levi was a special football player. I don't care what anybody says. Nobody plays like he does and wins as many games as he does if he didn't have the talent. I think we're going to see a different style of offense because of the quarterback play. Um, and I think we might see some deep balls. We've got deep ball talent uh, at the wide receiver position. So let's see what happens. Well, it'll be interesting. I think the biggest thing for me will be interesting to see is when we're down in uh, down in the red zone, if Coach Dez has that same gunslinger, uh, let's go for it mentality that Coach Napier had. People yeah. like to point out that, um, you know, we, we only beat Southern Miss because they missed a field goal at the end. Well, South, what Alabama, they, yeah. South Alabama, I said Southern Miss. You did. Same South somebody. No, uh, <laughs> no, but South Alabama, the, you know, people like love to say that, oh, you know, we got lucky. Well, yeah, but we missed two field goals, I want to say. And at the same we time, we were in the red zone twice and didn't score. And yeah. I, when I say red zone, inside the 10. So yeah. it, it's not it's not as simple as one play that they missed the um, that they missed. The, oh, uh, way, there were a lot of miscues on both sides. Exactly. Uh, Okay. Yeah. So, Dave, let's take our break and uh, we'll come back and we'll talk about the defense. Listen, we're talking tonight. Craig Melanson with Dave Amato. We'll be back after this brief timeout. Welcome back into We're Talking tonight, today, this evening, this morning. Craig Melanson, Dave Amato. Dave, let's talk defense. Let's start where it all 
all starts at, and that's the front. And it starts with the big man, Zion Hill Green. Zion Hill Green now. He uh, took his, uh, I believe his... His stepfather's name. I, stepfather's I, I just wasn't sure of the, the green. Yeah. Uh, I, but I, I've, I've had the opportunity to talk with Zion one-on-one -on -one and is one of the finest young men that I've ever met here. And I've met some truly wonderful student athletes through the years. So talk about the defense. Talk about Zion Hill. Green. Yeah. Well, well yeah. I, I, look, I think. I'm mean, going to get used to that. Sorry. Yeah. I think we've got, I think we have two position places that are going to be okay. And the defensive line is one of those. Um, Zion Hill is a special talent. Uh, you know, once in a, once in a few years, you see a guy like this come in and, 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 and he has grown and become better every year. He was good when he first walked on campus. He's great now. I mean, that's, that's the progression. I had the luxury of sitting next to his family um, at one of the games last year. And I'm going to tell you, they talk so highly of him as a person. And then they'll talk about his football, which is on a different level. But his just his personality and his just how great of a person he really is, is special. His uncle and I talked for probably an hour during one of the games. And the guy just could not stop raving about how special of a kid Zion is, both on and off the field. And, I, and that's that's what you love to hear about, you know, student athletes if they if they're that kind of person. So I, I, I every game I walk into, I I'm always looking to see where number four is. I, he's just to me, I love watching him play football, and he seems like he's thrilled to be doing it too. So that's a that's a great thing. Absolutely. You know, it's one of those things that uh, I think I mentioned it last year when we did our podcast at the beginning of the season. I, I talked to him at uh, Sunbelt Conference Media Days, and I, I said, man, can I stand next to you for a second? Because he looks so short out there, but it's he's just not. because everybody, he's 6'1". Yeah. And, you know, he's and he's got that, 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 that smile that uh, is very infectious. And uh, he talked about how he was uncomfortable when he first got to UL about doing interviews and things like that and realized that if he wanted to take the next step and play at the next level he had to to get more comfortable in doing those things so wish him nothing but the best so who's playing on either side of him who starts there yeah what do we see well, we're, we're we're good in the on a defensive line and, and I'll tell you a guy who has every year just gotten better and impressed the heck out of me and is one of the most electrifying defensive linemen I think the Cajuns have had in a long time and that's Andre Jones uh, I keep hearing the coaches talk about this kid when he got here and I don't remember a lot of fanfare about him when he got here but the coaches talk about he was a string bean when he first got here you know he was this big tall kid had no size on him they didn't know what they were going to do with him and he's just worked himself into an incredible defensive end. And I watch him play, and he is – look, he makes plays all over the field. Like, he's great in the run game. He's special in the pass pressure game. I mean, you watch him. He's in the backfield. And he can run down running backs. He can run down quarterbacks. He can run – I mean, he's just – he's that type of guy. I don't mind if he drops back into pass coverage and tries to get a tight end because he's athletic enough he can do it. And he's long. 
He's so long. He's a he's a difference maker on the defense. He can get in the backfield and make plays. But they, we got more than that. I mean, we got some guys that we've been talking their names for a long time, and we see spots of what they can do. Jaquan Nelson's going to be a good player for us. Dalvin Hutchinson, Kendall Wilkerson. We can keep these guys healthy, but we're so deep there. I think about this. There were games last year where Sonny Hazard started for us. I don't know if he is – and he'll be on the two and three deep. I mean, he'll play. But he's going to be behind some really talented guys. Another guy that I think is going to have a breakout year, if he can get on the field in front of the guys in front of him, is Mason Narcisse. Um, but, man, we just got so many guys on the defensive line. I'm excited to see the defensive line because it only makes the linebackers better, right? When your defensive line can get the pressure or stuff the, the, the box, then your linebackers can go out there and make plays uh, in space, right? And we've got guys, specifically Zion Green, uh, Zion Hill Green and Andre Jones and Dalvin Hutchinson that can do that. So I, I, the, the defensive line is not a position that I'm worried about this year. No, when, especially when you've got Zion Hill Green and um, Andre Jones that are um, – oh, excuse me uh, – that are – uh, year six with the program. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that that's we, pretty we forget good. about that. And we then you got Dalvin that. Hutchinson, that's year four, and is still a junior. Yeah. And, you know, and then, then, then you want to talk about, we'll move right into the linebackers and bring it on with Chris Moncrief, who's got year five, you know, yeah. with the program. I mean, that's some, that's some leadership. And I know some of the guys left, but again, don't want to talk about them. They're yeah. gone, but, you know, talk about the linebacker position now. Yeah, look, this is a, another position like the running back position. We, we lose a lot of talent, um, but there was some really good talent behind it. Chris Mockery jumps off the page that, yeah, and I think he he was kind of overshadowed at that linebacker position because we had Chauncey Manack and we had Farad Gardner and we had these guys that were special players. But Chris Mockery has I – mean, he. He's made some plays all over the field. So Chris Moncrief is going to be the leader there. But you think about some other guys who have really played well for us. Jordan Quibido is about to step up and be, instead of that bench guy who comes in and plays a lot, he's going to be a starter, I think, on this team. A.J. Riley has played well at times in spurts, but he's been behind some really talented guys. Um, Tyler Gidry is a guy that didn't play much last year, but it was expected to play a lot last year, but injuries slowed him down. So – it's not like the talent's not there. It's just, again, like the offensive line, they've been behind guys who were just either long-term veterans or guys who just, you know, got NFL opportunities, right? Exactly. Um, but I think I think the guys behind them are good football players. Um, I, I know coaches have talked about uh, Kendra Gant being a guy that is a young guy who just got on the team that the people that they're very excited about to see what he can do. Jasper Williams is another guy, um, Cameron Whitfield. So I think there's some, there's some guys out there. We just don't know their names because we haven't called them much because we haven't had to call them. We're going to see them this year and they're going to step up the next man up mentality. Let's talk about which I think is the deepest which is saying a lot, a defense, deepest part of the, uh, uh, the defense. And I think the defensive backs there, I mean, you've yeah. had some guys there that have really stepped up. I think you've got some NFL quality guys and mm -hmm. we've seen that through the years with Percy Butler, uh, some of the other ones that have been through here, but 
most recently, Percy. Um, yeah. What's your thoughts on the defensive backs? So, so we'll start at cornerback, and I think it all has to start with Eric Garrar. I, I, Eric Garrar is a guy, not a lot of fanfare when he got recruited here. Came out of Mobile, South Alabama, missed him, and thank goodness they missed him. He is a shutdown corner. Not a big guy, but a shutdown corner, and I love watching him play football. Uh, he is a star, and if he was two inches taller, everybody would in, 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 in the NFL would be talking about drafting this kid, right? Um, and I still think he might get a shot. I think he's that good, even at his size, that he's going to get a shot at the NFL. Um, he's a special player. I am super excited to see. I, look, I know we lost, you know, transfer out. I don't, again, we don't want to talk about who we lost. But I am super excited to see the guy that's going to play on the other side of him. Uh, I thought we got a taste of how talented this kid is. The coaches have raved about him. But Trey Amos is about to be a, a star on this team. I think he's the next corner that you go, well, maybe we, maybe it's okay that we, we lost a player. Right. Yeah. Uh, and he, and he's backed up by a pretty good one too. AJ Washington, who we saw at, at uh, when we played against uh, Iowa state who made some fantastic plays. Um, so I think those quarterback positions, I'm not concerned about them because I, and I've heard him talk about Omar McDaniel and some other players, but, Eric Garrard, Trey Amos are going to be the guys. A.J. Washington will come in and play well. But, our, I mean, we've even got depth at the safety position with guys like Braylon Trahan, who we've seen, Brandon Bishop, who has played really well for us, um, Cam Podeskolo. I cannot talk about how great that kid is. Um, and I read the article I think they, they had out the other day about I, – I didn't realize how small he is. I expected yeah. him to be – he plays so much bigger than he that he apparently is. So, I, you know, I, I'm not worried about the de- – just like I'm not worried about the defensive line, I'm not worried about the defensive backfield. We are we're deep there and we're talented and we're experienced there. Yeah, Trey Amos is one of those guys that I truly believe um, – um, I'm not going to say the game was a little, but yeah, the game was a little fast for him when he came out because I think he was thrown into some situations as a freshman, but I think we'll, we'll get the opportunity to play on Sundays. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I'm excited to see him this year be the guy, right? He's going to get the chance and look, teams are going to throw away from America R. So he's going to be on it. He, he's going to be out there. And he's going to have to make plays, but I think he's he's the guy to make the plays. I'm I'm yeah. really excited to see him. Yeah, for for the record, Cam Badesco is five uh, eight, which uh, amazing. <laughs> you could have told me that last year, and I would have told you there's no way he's five eight. I, yeah. There was no way in my mind he was five eight. He he does not appear that way on the field. He's everywhere. Absolutely not. Good defensive uh, play, I believe, coming for the Cajuns. So. Dave, uh, let's take our next break. We'll come back. We'll talk Cajun schedule. We'll talk. Um, uh, we'll uh, we'll talk about the special teams, and we're, we're gonna we're gonna get your opinion on the breakout guy on offense and defense. You know, yeah. we've talked a lot about uh, different guys throughout the night, but I want one guy on each. Don't start rambling on about seventeen different guys. I hate to go I'll through go there. Well. I'll punch you in the face. So, no, I'm just joking. Uh, we'll be back back after this. Craig Melanson and Dave Amato, you're listening and we're talking.
Welcome back into We're Talking Again with Craig Malasa and Dave Amato. Dave, let's talk about the special teams. I think this is a group, in my opinion, is going to be a little bit underrated. I hate to say that. It's kind of hard to say that with uh, with, with some of the guys we got coming back. But one place that we've struggled the last couple of years has been place kicker. So let's let's start there. Yeah, uh, I, look, I think the job is going to be won by the guy who should have been the guy last year. And, and, and he's another one that has worked while he waited and got his chance um, and performed well when he's gotten the chance. I think Kenneth Almadaris will be the guy. If he can stay healthy, he will be the starting place kicker. And he's proven he can, he's got a strong leg. Um, and and I, I think we'll be fine there. I really do. I'm not concerned about him as long as he's healthy. What we saw last year was when he went down, we didn't have a lot of depth behind him. Um, and I don't know if we do or not. I know Logan Klotz is the guy behind him. I don't know anything about him because he hasn't had to kick. Um, I, I think Kenneth Almaderas is going to be the guy. I think Coach has said that there's a possibility that Logan Klotz could be the kickoff guy and just let Kenneth Almaderas be the, the, the field goal kicker. Um, so we'll see. I, I, I don't have a concern with Kenneth as he stays healthy because he's been good while he's been healthy. Absolutely. And the punter, I mean, yeah, uh, like, some, well, who's that bum? Where is he from anyway? Yeah, yeah, somewhere in Australia, I believe. Um, yeah, not, not, you can't no. talk enough about Reese Burns. He's, he is, he's the class of punting in the Sun Belt. And uh, he's a guy that there's a really good chance we're going to see him kicking on Sundays. Um, I think he's that good. And we saw it in a couple of games in the last couple of years. I remember the UAB game when he hit probably the most important play of the game when he kicked the, he punted like a 75 yard punt that, that backed UAB up when we were in back in our own territory. Um, he's a, he's a weapon um, as a punter, which you don't say that very often, but he's the kind of guy who's a weapon. Um, so we got, we got a special guy there. I'm, I'm not good. As long as he's healthy, we're good. <laughs> no, absolutely. And and again, the, the two guys we just we, we just got done talking about both in their fifth year with the Cajuns. But uh Reese Burns uh averaged 40.1, 44.2, 43.5, and then last year 46.1. That's crazy. Um fun to listen to. I've listened to him a couple times on uh footnotes with Kevin Foot. Uh and uh just extremely extremely fun to listen to and, and seems to be enjoying his time in south louisiana absolutely um let's uh who's going to be the all right do we see chris smith back at at at, at punt return uh kick return and do we see eric gar back at punt uh, return i think the answer to that question is yes and yes and the reason it is is because I, it's not that we don't have guys who can do it that aren't going to be really good. We don't have explosive players like those two guys are at that position. Chris Smith is a difference maker on kick returns. You don't want to take that ball out of his hands. He, he, he's proven it time and time again how good he is and, and how many plays he can make. And Eric Garrar is the same way. I think they both have to be at that position. Uh, I, I think there'll be times that, that, that we'll move them around and you'll take them out and maybe give them a breather, but they're going to be the main guys returning punts and kicks. And I, and again, I hate 
you you don't love to have your starting your superstar on offense and your superstar on defense doing that position because they can get hurt. But when they're that dangerous, how can you not have them back there? Well, I think it it's it's not only about danger, especially with punt returns. It's about confidence your coaching staff has, and that's not something where you want to turn the ball over. I think yeah. kick kickoff is one thing that you can deal with because you're normally not turning the ball over sure. on your kickoff return, but you've got the opportunities there on your punt return. So, yeah, I know when Eric first started doing it, he made me very nervous because he made some plays that he dropped the ball or would, or would make a crazy play that I was like, why are you touching the ball? But he has gotten better and he's look when he catches it, he's a weapon as soon as he gets the ball in his hand. So I just don't think you can move those guys out of that position. Dave, uh, I'm not. We're not going to go into every game on the schedule, but sure. let's let's uh, uh, pick pick. Uh, I mean, let's face it. Uh, our non-conference schedule: Southeastern Louisiana, Eastern Michigan, Rice, and Florida State. No offense to anybody. The first three, Florida State is is the the biggest non-conference game we have because of the name. Sure. Is is is. Is the name still, does it still mean what it meant? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't believe it does. Uh, only because, you know, Florida State has not been as good. And I don't think they're going to be as good as they have been in the past. I think they're going to get better this year. But they, they're they not Florida State from a handful of years ago. I mean, it's a, it's a different ball club. Uh, but look, it, it's a big deal when a team like us beats a team like that, right? And I think we're... This is what we we're building towards, right? We need to, we lost against Texas last year. Texas ended up being a, a mediocre P5 team. This is probably another mediocre P5 team. We're going to have to beat these teams, right? We got to, when we have them on the schedule, we've got to prove we can beat them. Um, whether they are three and eight or, or a three and nine or nine and three, we got to prove we can beat them. Um, and I think this is a the schedule sets up nicely for our out of conference schedule. I think SLU, you know, the expectations we're going to win. Eastern Michigan, the expectation is we're going to win, but they're going to be a team to challenge, could challenge in the MAC. Rice is going to be Rice. Florida State's the difference maker on the schedule, right? When I don't, if if I'm sitting in you know Iowa and I see that Louisiana beat Florida State, and I know nothing about either team, I'm just a casual football fan that's going to be something that perks my ears up and go oh my goodness like louisiana beat florida state that's the game we need for our own self-confidence and our own team building and our own fan base to go okay we are a team that can compete with some of these people very interesting though that the uh florida state's first two games and yeah. last two games are their non-conference games the rest yeah. are acc games in between so uh, very interesting there. All right, pick two games. Uh, uh, call them pivotal. Call them must wins. Call yeah. them uh, uh, season defining games. Two games uh, out of the uh, schedule, in your opinion, that Cajuns must win. Yeah, um, I think the two games are uh, one of the first conference games not the first but one of the early ones and that's Marshall um I think the Marshall game it's our third conference game of the season after ULM in South Alabama 
Marshall's going to be a team that's going to compete for the Eastern Conference title. Um, and that's going to give us a real – there's a good chance we could go into that game, and we should go into that game at 5-0. and um, And that's going to be the game that's going to define how where we are as a team, right? We're not going to know a lot about the first three. I don't think we're going to know a lot about after we play ULM. South Alabama is going to be a little bit different. Marshall is going to be the test. Uh, they're a team that's expected to be good. They should be good. I think that's number one. Number two on the schedule, and this is a team that that, that concerns me in the conference um, because I think they're going to be, a, a, especially on the West, and Troy. Uh, I think Troy's the team that 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 really could challenge us uh, in the Sun Belt West this year. So those are my two games. I think Florida State's another one. That, it's not a conference, so it doesn't mean as much to me, but we still need to win it. But I think Troy and, and Marshall are the two pivotal games on the schedule. Yeah, I'm not worried about Florida State. When we get there, we get there. I'm I'm talking strictly conference games. Sure. Um, and I agree with you. I think those are the two biggest games. I think the season sets up well for um, no offense to any of the teams that we, we're playing. But, you know, Marshall is our toughest conference game out of out – of, yeah. that's not at home. I mean, we – we have South Alabama at home. We have Arkansas State at home. Uh, I, I, really, I think Southern Miss is a year or two away from being really good. But we have Troy at home. We have Georgia Southern at home. And then we play Texas in the season at Texas State. So, yep. and, 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 and Texas State may not, may be under a, a new coach by then, or at least a, <laughs> uh, uh, an, ad, an interim, interim, interim yeah. coach. So yeah, there's a good chance of that if he doesn't do something this year. Yeah. Well, good deal, Dave. Uh, thank you for coming on tonight. We'll, uh, do you, do, do you want my breakout players? You said you were going to, Oh, I did. Breakout I did. Players. Breakout players. Okay. So, offense. So on offense, and this is tough because I think they're, you know, obviously Chandler Fields is what everybody's going to be watching. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and say on offense, my breakout player this year is going to be Neil Johnson. Um, I, I, I got to go with Neil Johnson. I'm waiting for I've been waiting for him to break out. And I think this is the year he really does it. All right. Defense. Defense. Uh, we'll go back to a guy we talked about at nauseum in the, in the last segment. I, 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 it's, it's going to be Trey Amos. I think he's the, he's the breakout player on defense. And if he, if he plays to his potential, we're going to see a lot of good things on that defense. Absolutely. Two guys, I, 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 uh, I'll say I'll go with you on that. And that way I, it gets me out of having to pick. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. There you go. There you go. So, all right, Dave. Well, thanks for your time tonight. Uh, we'll come back and depending on when you're listening to this, we'll be uh, covering the Southeastern game and we'll also give you our Sunbelt picks later on. So, uh, You've been listening to We're Talking with Craig Malasa and Dave Amato. We'll see you next time or hear you next time. You guess you'll hear us next time. There I go, rambling and bambling and stumbling. No one's listening. Thanks. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, uh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it. Share it. Put it in your podcast. Broadcast it. Or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.